Hello, this is Yaro Starak, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Sarah Timmerman. Hi there, this is Yaro. Today on the show is Sarah Timmerman, who's going to break down every little detail about her $4 million a year fashion retail website and also how she's grown to over a million followers on social media. That interview is coming up in a moment. Just a quick reminder, if you have not joined my email list for the EJ Insider podcast, please do so. Go to www.interviewsclub.com. That will redirect to the blog post where you can sign up for the free email updates to make sure you get all the latest podcasts as soon as I release them and also a series of my very best podcasts from the archives. For now, here is the brand new interview with Sarah Timmerman. And Sarah, thank you for joining me. Oh, that's no problem at all. So did I get the highlight reel uh, succinct? Is there anything else I should throw in there that in your list of achievements that I've forgotten about? One cool thing that I forgot to mention was that we um, were named the number one social media brand this year, which is, uh, for Australia that is, which is pretty cool. That is cool. And I, I really would love to know how you've grown your, your social media following, but let's get to that when we get to that in your story. Yeah, so um, are you born and raised in Brisbane as well, like me? I am born and raised in Brisbane. Um, yeah, just out in the suburbs. Nothing special. Okay, so my path was high school to the University of Queensland to do a business management degree. What was yours? My path isn't very straightforward, actually. I was just in the suburbs of Brisbane, finishing high school, thought I'd love to do law or physiotherapy or something like that, and go to UQ as well, because that's where all the cool kids go. And then I actually met my husband in year 12. He was backpacking. He's a Dutch backpacker at the time. And my mum hired him to paint a house. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's pretty funny. And um, I remember I met him and I was in my softball uniform, which is not attractive at all. And mum had hired these backpackers and I was helping her uh, give them lunch. And then I was to go and help paint this house. And um, anyway, what was him spending two weeks in Brisbane turned into three months and then he had to leave to move back to Holland. And so I actually uh, saved, worked like four jobs and saved everything I could and went to Europe. And then uh, we bought a very old Volkswagen and drove around Europe for a couple of months. I studied a bit of physio and I never got my visa. So I had to move back to Australia. And I also went and did psychology and political science and a few other random things at UQ, never finishing them. But uh, then I actually finished a diploma in leadership and uh, decided I wanted to start my own business. My first business was actually supposed to be a wellness retreat, but it didn't work out because the uh, landlord actually ended up taking over that idea, which, I mean, that's cool. She, uh, I hope it's still going today, but yeah, she took the idea and then my mum offered me a trip to Paris or a big 21st birthday party because, as you know, that's a thing we do in Australia, 21st birthdays. And um, I took the trip to Paris and I went to this store called Colette and it was just an incredible, amazing experience, nothing like anything in Brisbane. And it was at that time that I realised I wanted to bring that to Australia and specifically to Brisbane. But there were no properties for lease, so my friend suggested I went online 
And yeah, that's how Beginning Boutique started. Okay, well, one question first. How did the boyfriend become your husband if you left him in Europe and came back to do your oh, studies? Yeah. <laughs> That's a very important part. He came with me, actually, okay. and now we've been living here. It must be like 10 years since he moved here with me, so it's pretty incredible. So you went from him painting for your mum to basically <laughs> travelling to Europe with him, and he came back to Australia again with you, and I'm assuming... Did you get married so he could stay in the country? Like how did, because you would have been like 20, 18, 19, yeah. 20, not very yeah. old. So yeah. to, to get married at that stage would have been a big, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, we moved back to Australia when I was about, uh, must have been 19. So I left Australia when I was 17. And yeah, I was over there for two years. And we moved back here and we were dating probably for four years before we got married. But it wasn't actually for the visa because Martin somehow got really lucky and got a visa straight away. Like he went to Berlin, they interviewed him for a de facto spouse visa and then he got it within the day. Wow. So it was crazy. Like everyone else's stories are so horrible, but ours is really simple. It meant to be, I guess. The universe was helping you in that one. Yeah, it is pretty funny. It's a very, if you like fate, it's definitely a very fate story. Right. So uh, with the business then, you... You're like 21 when you were in Paris, so 20, like if you took that instead yeah. of your, your birthday. So I'm thinking when you come back, obviously, you know, that to start a, a retail store is a pretty big undertaking. And I can see why online might have appealed more as well. Can you just timestamp this? Like how, what was the state of online retail in Australia when, when you were thinking of starting or when you did start this? And, and can you give us also the year so I get it clear in the chronology? Oh, gosh, it must have been 2007 that I started thinking about it to 2008 and there was nothing going on. There were two big stores and they were called Frock Shop and My Catwalk and they're both no longer in business. Um, and I remember having to beg people to let me sell their clothes online. I would have called over 100 designers to try and get them on board and it just took that many phone calls and that much effort to get any product to sell because nobody believed in online so it was incredibly difficult starting a store and nobody liked online either. It was mm. kind of a dirty word. That's amazing in 2007, 2008, because that's, that's late in, in a lot of yeah. ways. You know, that's, I guess it shows how, how behind Australia can be sometimes with, with online in oh, some definitely. industries. Okay, so uh, how do you do this? You, you're, you're getting obviously not a lot of role models to follow in terms of Australian-based ones. Did you have anyone to learn from or copy or, or, or um, you know, mentor you in, in terms of starting an online retail shop or you just sort of figure it out as you're going along? I think it's definitely a lot of figuring it out as you go along, but I had, you know, the cool kids at Nasty Gal to watch and to kind of see what they were doing in terms of being a not high fashion brand online because Australia was only really doing high fashion online. Right. So watching them and seeing how they were doing things, which was incredibly inspirational. Nylon Magazine is another really cool influence uh, that I've definitely had in my life and especially with beginning. And then um, in terms of business mentors, uh, my mom and dad ran their own nationwide transport company in Australia. So I could learn a lot from my mom who was the CFO. So there was definitely people to talk to, but at the same time, uh, like she couldn't really help with any retail at all. She was just good for setting up, um, like helping me set up budgets and things like that. But apart from that, it was kind of just learn as you go. 
Okay, so what did you do first? The first thing I did was start calling designers. Oh, I got a logo designed and okay. then I used... <laughs> was that from like 99designs or something? Or? <laughs> no, actually it was a really cool uh, design duo called Rumpus Room, I think, but then they changed their name as well. And uh, they were really cool. Um, it's our current logo still, actually, the long logo. Um, and they recommended a web design, a web development company, and that we built something off. We built a custom website and it was just not a good idea at all. Uh, went horribly wrong and um, wasted a lot of money doing that. But whilst that was getting built and the designs were getting done, I was just calling designers and trying to really coordinate the entire project. It's kind of like not one thing getting done at once. You have to pull everything together at first and, you know, make your budgets and make some sort of business plan even though you don't know what you're doing. So mm. it was definitely a very interesting, I think, six months. I'm a, I'm a bit ignorant when it comes to retail online and obviously fashion retail. I've only had a card game website and it was very, very small. So, and, and I was very young. I'm wondering with what you had to do at the start there, do you call up designers and say, I love your work. I'd like to buy some of your clothing at wholesale and sell it on my online store. Is that mm -hmm. basically how it works? And then you have to put it in your garage. And then if you make a sale, you, you send it off to your customers. Is that how it starts? Yeah, that's, that is how it starts. So it's not even like you're asking them for a favor. It was like, <laughs> I just want to buy your stuff, but nobody <laughs> wanted it. So, yeah. Okay. So did you have uh, any problems getting stocked then or were they really eager? Oh, they were not eager at all. It would always be like, oh, like an on, like an eBay store. And I would have to explain how, no, we're not an eBay store. It's a standalone store. It's like retail. Um, we're going to be well-branded and everything's going to be shot beautifully, but people were just not interested. It just wasn't something that uh, designers were into. I haven't mentioned um, your domain, domain name yet, so we should better mention that so people can have a look at your oh. site while they're listening to this <laughs> interview so yeah. oh my fault too uh <laughs> beginningboutique.com.au uh yeah. is the one to go to so beginning boutique so as we're going you can sort of see what uh, sarah has running now uh, okay so you're getting not a lot of positive support to begin with but i'm assuming mm. you must have eventually got a few yeses and you were able to have some dresses in your store is that how it yeah. rolled yeah, yeah. It was just a lot of persistence at start. And yeah, it was. And then we got the ball rolling and got about 20 designers on board. And our website was three months late. So we had about just a stupid amount of stock sitting in the garage waiting to go up. And late stock is very bad, as most retailers would know. So that was another fun thing when we first started up. When you say late stock, you mean like out of season? Is that how it I'm assuming that that's pretty important with fashion, right? Yeah, it's not even just out of season. It's just old. Like they've seen it on other stores for three months and they probably sold it and they've now got it on sale, but we're only just getting to put it up three months later. Right. Well, that's mm. not good. No. <laughs> How did you fix this problem? <laughs> well, um, we just had to, when the website finally was finished, which was uh, quite delayed. I just had to do my best and, you know, shoot everything, run everything on a shoestring and really just try and figure out how we were going to run the business and get cash flow. But 
as well, you know, when, when you start a new online business, it's really hard to get traffic and that's where the social kicked in. That's how we started getting traffic. Okay. Before we dive into the social, I'm just curious about a few more of the nuts and bolts of, oh, yeah. of the beginning start. Okay. So do you literally just get your own digital camera and you take photographs of the clothing that you've just bought at wholesale and then you upload it to your little e-commerce platform that you would have had and that's connected to either what PayPal or eWay and then you've got a buy button on a website with a picture of a dress and so you're ready to go. Is that kind of how it works to start with back then? Yeah, I mean, um, I think that's even how it works today. Okay. It's like, it's not me, obviously. I don't shoot the stock anymore. I'm not, nowhere near talented enough to do what Grace does, but it's definitely, I think a lot of stores are just still shooting and uploading and selling straight away with eWay or Stripe or PayPal or anything like that. Okay, simple as that. So do you remember how many different items you had on sale that, that opening of the website? I made sure I had 20 designers. So they would have had a few, they probably would have had three or four styles. So we probably would have started with, I don't know, 80 pieces, 80 okay. styles. Okay, so 80 styles, no traffic. What do you do next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, it takes a little while to figure that out because you kind of think, you know, I'll build it and people will come because there's nothing else like it online. And fortunately, that's not the case at all. So it took me a little while to figure that out and get over that hurdle. And we, I took really hard to making partnerships and working with bloggers, which was still really unheard of in Australia. So I would give people vouchers to shop at my store and then to review our store um, on their blog. So that's how we started initially. And then working social as well, because obviously we didn't have money to do paid advertising. So it was also getting involved in things that I knew would return as well, like sale emails and things like that. So when you say you, you work social, what do you, because it's 2008, 2009, mm. there's no Instagram yet. There's no, I mean, Facebook was definitely probably the, well, the leading one at the time. Yeah. yeah maybe yeah. MySpace was dying out at that stage. So uh, what did you do? Did you just try and, did you put up a lot of pictures of your clothing and then try and, get other people to follow you like how did it because again no advertising budget like you said so you got to basically hustle so how does it how does it work yeah it's a lot of trial and error like we did a lot of um working with different pictures on Facebook and trying to figure out what actually our customer enjoyed and that was a really interesting challenge because you know you've got to balance product with inspirational posts as well but when I first started I was literally just talking about Brisbane and what I liked in Brisbane and how cool Brisbane was <laughs> <Good subject. laughs> which isn't that cool <laughs> not but, sure that's going to sell much clothing but <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we moved the conversation to being about our photo shoots and new product and stuff like that so it was um, it was definitely a very interesting situation where you're trying to marry up two very different things to make sure that you're entertaining and relevant. And then we just built it using competitions and, again, partnerships, like I was saying before, trying to get bigger brands to talk about us, trying to get our designers to talk about us. You know, just like you are saying, you've just got to hustle and work really hard and make sure that you're presenting things beautifully as well. So... That was what we did with, that's what I did with Facebook. And, yeah, we've just continued that across all of our medias as well. 
You keep saying we. Was it a we yet at that stage or is it still you? <laughs> you know all those business books where they tell you that you have to pretend that you're bigger than you actually are? <laughs> I was very good at that. Right. But uh, no, at that point it was just me. Um, I got my first intern around that time and Kate was her name and she turned into my first employee. And, um, what was she her job? T- uh, she basically did everything from packing packages to us trying to shoot ourselves to make better, you know, better content to contacting people, contacting bloggers, you know, anything that needed to be done. You know, when you've only got two people, you both kind of do everything. So it's a very interesting um, time for the both of us. And then, uh, yeah, Kate always dreamed of moving to London and when she finished her studies, she did. So and now she works for a massive company over there. So that's very cool. Okay. So you've got Facebook, you've got a website, you've got mm-hmm. reaching out to, to bloggers and, and any kind of exposure you can get. Yep. Do you remember what worked? Like what actually led to sales from all of that? Yeah, uh, competitions were great, like in terms of competitions around product. Uh, getting girls influences is the word you would use for it now in your product that definitely works. I mean, you have to get the girls that are speaking for your demographic in your product and showing how great it is. Um, sales, of course, like things that, you know, any promotional tools like discounts and things like that always work. Um, Flash sales, like you've got one going now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we have always tried to make our website really dynamic. So we actually do two promotions a week. Um, and they're not necessarily always based around sales, but just always based around being interesting and being relevant because we're not in our girl's life. Like I can't walk into her house and sell her clothes. So if she's going to be on my site multiple times a week, I better make it interesting for her because otherwise why would she bother? Mm. Now, you mentioned before, I think you mentioned sales email. Did you mention the word email yet? I haven't heard that. So did you start building a list from day one? Oh, definitely. Like before we even launched the site, there was an email capture on there. And um, so, I mean, I can't stress the importance of emails. I was talking to a girl at an event and she was saying that she doesn't send any emails out. And that's just crazy. You have to be sending out emails and uh, making sure it's good content. But the, what I was talking about specifically was actually an email called, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say what they were called, but it's an email of a list of sales and you can put yourself in there. And I remember when I was in my one of our bedrooms by myself working for beginning, we made six sales from this one email and that's back when we sold big ticket items and it was such a great day. That was <laughs> the best. <laughs> Now, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Six sales a day not quite lead, doesn't lead no. to four million in year in turnover, does it? Um, okay, so I'm kind of curious, how did you know to do email from the beginning? Like, was that just from your just innate exposure online and seeing what other emails were being sent to you, or was there some other trigger for that? Um, I've always read, I think. Um, I know this is going to sound so nerdy, but isn't it readers or leaders? And um, I've always, I've always pushed myself to learn more because I've, I'm so young and I don't have any experience. If I'm not continuously learning, then this business isn't going to grow. So 
um, I was reading a lot of white papers, watching HubSpot, making sure that I was really across everything because that's my responsibility to grow the company. And I guess everyone talked about everyone talks about email marketing, and you know, I I guess I could pick up on that really easily. Okay, so how did you go from six sales a day being a good day to whatever it is you do today? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I guess it came about um, probably two or three years ago. We, I mean, you're always growing your business and you're always looking to challenge yourself, I think, as an entrepreneur. And we used to ask girls what they wanted us to bring into store. We still do, but nowhere near as much as I used to. And I used to use those those questions and people's opinions to purchase stock and I remember when I had pretty much no money to buy stock and I needed all of that to sell so that I would have money to buy stock later in the week Um, and it was just really carefully reinvesting what you've previously purchased to, to grow sales so buying more of one particular style that sold well or you know making sure that you have enough money to pay for a model um, because that's always going to work better than a mannequin. It's all about, gosh, it's just all about improving everything. So I guess like the growth in sales has come through business improvements, you know, looking at everything you do and going, okay, I could do this better. How am I going to do that? Who's going to implement that? Mm. And just working from there. But on a real simple level, it was just listening to customers and them telling us what they want and and going from there. Okay. Maybe you can break that down by sort of looking at who you hired because obviously you would have reached your own personal capacity pretty quickly. And and since you said you sort of did everything better bit by bit, you've got finding more designers, taking more photographs of clothing, building relationships with more people. Um, You know, there's so many different things to do there. Plus, you obviously started new channels like Instagram eventually. Yeah. How did you start to balance that, especially with, as you said before, you've got the challenge of retail where you might might sell a bunch of product, but then you have to go and spend all that money just to buy more product. (laughs) And it kind of feels like you're kind of, you know, just they never get to take anything away for yourself. It's always reinvesting in the next and the next, the next. And it's going to be getting even more crazy and busy around you as you hire more people. So I can only imagine that's, that requires a special kind of leadership to control all that. So maybe you can take us from the point where you had this intern to, you know, who did you hire next? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I was really lucky with Kate that she came on a few days a week while she was also at university. Uh, then we actually got a design intern, a graphic design intern, and um, the first one didn't work out at all. She basically came in for half a day and then said she couldn't do uh, the next day because she wanted to go out on the weekend or something (laughs) stupid like that. So we put the job ad back up and got a really cool chick um, who came on board and did her internship and then I hired her Um, and that was just a few days a week and then it grew into a full-time position. Um, I also had another really great intern workout and she is still with us and she runs our PR and um, she was basically everyone did everything at the start so you would be everyone would pack packages if that needed to be done everyone would pick stock like actually picking it ready to pack um I mean there was nothing and there still is nothing sacred at beginning like everyone should be able to take out the rubbish you know that sort of thing but um then we grew from that to hiring someone to do customer care 
And uh, that person then quickly grew into a full-time role. And we moved from our, it must have been like 30 square metre office into 350 square metres. And um, that was a really huge change, uh, taking such a small office and having a dual level office with only one person downstairs when we first moved in there. And then everyone else in a room upstairs because the, you know, there was one room that was the same size as the old office and the second room was 100 square metres. So it was, it was very interesting to manage that as well. And um, then we quickly grew out those teams. So uh, the customer care team grew significantly. Um, marketing as well grew out. And we have a whole e-commerce team now where, you know, I was just taking all of the photos, writing all the descriptions and editing all the photos to upload to that now being handled by two different teams Um you know, going from uploading 15 products to 55 products, like dramatic growth and change across the business. And we were in that office for two years um, and we've just moved to our new office, which is 700 square metres. And we now have 24 people on staff, uh, including casuals. And it's a pretty cool place to be. It's an old ice cream factory. I think I can hear you hear them in the background if, if that's where uh, you are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've moved to the quiet part of the office for you guys, but I have heard them in the background as well. And I've got headphones in as well, but Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. It's it's all it's all part of the, the process. So okay, uh, what I'm really curious about, that everything sounds brilliant there. Um, you know, hiring new people, bigger offices, everything's go, 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 positive, positive, positive. Yeah. Where did the customers come from? Because you obviously have to rapidly increase your turnover if you keep hiring every intern as a full-time employee. You've got <laughs> salaries to pay. You yeah. know, that's, that's, yeah. that's from you know, having very minor expenses to suddenly having whatever, 50 grand a year to pay, then 100 grand a year to pay, then 200 grand a year to pay. So you have to have mm. the revenue to cover that. So where were the yeah. sales coming from? Yeah, well, we, um, I should, I'll roll back a little bit. So before I got Kate, uh, or maybe when I first got my first intern, uh, we had a pop-up store at South Bank, which is a little area close by to West End uh, that has a lot of food. It's like a precinct. And um, we were running that pop-up sale there for three months, what was supposed to be two weeks, turned into three months. And it was from that that I really got a taste for cash flow because being online back then, there were just really not that many customers. It's not like the luxury of starting it now. Um you know, where customers are online now. But, yeah, we had that. And then I guess using that money, we redeveloped the website. So we've had three three platforms now, four platforms, sorry. And uh, basically as soon as we changed from that first initial horror of a website to Interspire, which no longer exists anymore, but changing to that, uh, we saw an immediate growth because, one, the website worked all the time and, two, Google could finally, you know, tr- go through it and crawl the site and we were actually getting listed for things and our SEO improved and, you know, it was a dramatic change using different platforms and I guess we grew the the revenue by having better platforms, better systems, as well as growing our social media. So customers really came from social media and then as we were growing our revenue we also started spending money on social media Uh, we spend about 90 percent of our marketing budget on uh social media advertising so and that's not even including people's time that's literally the paid advertising spend so i guess that's how we grew our revenue and um 
you know, having a consistent customer experience. So Beginning Boutique is really well known for great customer service. We're a Google trusted store. So what that means is that you have to actually get a certain amount of five star, four or five star ratings to be able to get Google to back your store. So if you purchase with me, Google will cover that purchase up to $1,000. So, you know, the fact that we are quite well known for our customer service has helped as well, obviously, with word of mouth and things like that. So that's how we managed to grow and keep growing the company. Is that because you're using Google for payments or, or how, how do they audit you for that? Uh, so basically, as you check out, you will get asked to rate Beginning Boutique. And uh, with those ratings, they collected those ratings for about six weeks. And then if you get a certain amount of good ratings, uh you become a Google trusted store, you have to apply for it. And, you know, your service has to be exceptional. Your, your shipping needs to be express, your uh, returns rates and your policies and everything have to be up to scratch with Google. But yeah, they don't get anything out of it uh, except for a badge on your site, which I mean, that's probably quite useful to them. Mm -hmm. But if you go to bb.com.au, which is our short URL, you can see it there and it's just a pop-up on the side of the website okay i'm looking at everything um <laughs> getting distracted by all the pretty dresses uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just under the 10 percent off here okay it's a little google trusted store icon there i think i'm on a sub page let me oh it should be on every page uh, i'm only seeing the 10. oh are you in yeah it's because uh so that's in australia unfortunately oh, right. it doesn't show for the states we were actually in the states for magento live conference the other week and we were thought we had lost it and we were freaking out but yeah uh, yeah okay. so this mm. you're you're certified for australia which fair enough that's probably where most of your customers come from so yeah and it actually depends on where your url is as well we can't i don't think we can even get it for the states gotcha okay uh wow so I can see it. it's funny how when you talk about it in half an hour, it, it almost seems simple. It just like just building, <laughs> building on each piece of the puzzle more and more. But I can only imagine coordinating everything must have been crazy, uh, especially yeah. with all the people. And to, to get, like you said, you have to get a lot of moving parts working together. And then you just multiplied that in, in scale. So it would have been yeah. uh, crazy. When yeah. did um, Instagram come into this? Um, whenever Instagram started, we jumped on it pretty quickly. Um, and to be honest, I don't remember when that was. Um, but yeah, we just jumped on it straight away, started using the same content, um, but tried to vary it at least, um, and just started building it and, you know, followed other people so that people would start to know that we were there and promoted it on Facebook and, you know, just all the classic social media growth sort of things, um, and yeah, we're just trying to trying to smash that out as much as possible and and grow that because obviously it, we could tell that it was the next Facebook. Mm. Yeah, and it's you've got half a million followers almost uh, as I yeah. talk to you now. That would be a huge source of customers, I imagine. So I do, yeah. I do want to clarify because there's a lot of people, despite Instagram being around a number of years now, still are pretty clueless to, with it. And I'm noticing more and more of these interviews I do, people are referencing Instagram as a, a key source of new customers for them, mm. especially presently. So I'm assuming, like you said, you, you've taken photographs of your product already, so you're, you're posting that up, and you're using hashtags related to fashion, and then you're following, like you said, the influencers. So you're following the girls who have a lot of followers who are fashion girls, 
are you doing that in the hope that they will like just pay attention to you so potentially you could send them a dress and then they'll wear it and then they'll Instagram it and, the, and they'll link back to your Instagram profile? Is that yeah. kind of how it works? And yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, just that, yeah, go ahead. Just getting people to notice you. Like the thing is there's nothing – I mean, people don't want to write about a site until it's really taking off. So when you're trying to build that site, you just have to keep reaching out to people as much as you can. It's not really an option to not be talking and to not be making connections. And it's all about just not giving up when the first people aren't going to publish about you. You just have to keep, you just have to keep going. You don't have a choice. Mm. Okay. So today then, since I think we're, we're almost caught up, right, have we, have we missed any milestones along the way? Um, I mean, it was really great when we broke even. That was an incredible feeling because, as you say, like, I, I hope I don't make it sound too easy because it has been a very, very difficult journey. And, you know, there's been a lot of heartache and pain along the way. Like, to change platforms four times in this amount of years is pretty intense. Like, it's, you know when we build a new platform nowadays, it takes a year to kind of get it going. So that's a year that you have to not have your eye on the game. You have to just be building your new platforms. So it's pretty intense, but um, it's been a great journey, but it's definitely been very difficult and you have to manage, like you're saying, all of these moving parts that are very rapid and making sure that you stay profitable and that you stay being able to pay your bills at the same time is incredibly interesting as well. Right. So when was that break-even celebration year? Uh, I think it was about 2012, 2013. So I just remember I wanted to have a party that has a swear word in the name and I didn't ask you if we can swear. <laughs> well, if you, we, I have had a guest who <laughs> dropped a whole lot of uh, F-bombs on the show and, and it's fine. It just means you get that little <laughs> illicit stamp on it when it comes on the iTunes. So, you know, oh. you might lose a few of your listeners if you do that. <laughs> All right. Well, it was just a finally effing making money party. So right. you can guess that for yourself. That's not illicit. So um, I just remember like just a feeling of having enough money to pay the bills was just incredible. So we would, you know, I was operating for like four years before beginning could stand on its own two feet and not be supported by Martin and I. So it's quite a long time. And so it was just such a relief when that finally happened. Mm. It, it, it's amazing to think you can do millions of dollars in turnover and yet you're actually not keeping much of it, if any of it. It's all going back to the company. Uh, just to clarify, do you pay yourself a salary during that time? I'm guessing you have to pay yourself living expenses, right? So is that how, how it worked? Uh, back then, I, I really only took a wage. I think I took a wage like three or four years ago. So I just put everything back into the business and, you know, even currently, like, we have the option to either go and get capital or to put everything back into the business. So everything goes into the business right now. While we can, we're not taking capital, but that, you know, if we want to grow significantly and take this business to the world, money just doesn't come out of cash flow for million dollar advertising expenses and things like that. Mm. So yeah, whilst, whilst beginning was growing, my husband actually just worked and I didn't pay myself at all. Good combination. I've noticed there's a lot of couples who have something like that that really helps so one person can really oh, focus definitely. and yeah, the other person works a job. So what is the plan then? Is it to go global with this? I, definitely, I think um, 
I think that we can be an international store and I think we already are. So we have about, I can tell you exactly because I've got it open. We have 20% of our traffic coming from the States currently. So I'd love to see beginning become even bigger in the States and obviously in Asia, which is our local region. I mean, there's no reason why beginning can't be a global business because what we're doing is attractive to women all over the world and we provide great customer service. So you can trust that if you've ordered from us, it's definitely going to get to you and it's going to look like how it looks and, you know, it's it's reputation, I guess, more than anything else. How have you managed to set up such good customer service? It's always been my passion. Ever since the beginning, I wanted to treat our customers like our best friends and it's one of our company values and so it's just so important to make sure that we are constantly exceeding expectations and when you can't exceed expectations you better meet them like we don't have the luxury to not get all the packages out when it's a busy day we have to get them sent and we have to get it shipped and if we screw up for example last year uh one of these very difficult times was last year and we were re-platforming to magento about a month after re-platforming, we discovered that the company based in the ukraine that brought our database across had actually given us a corrupted file and it was only after a critical mass hit the site that we started to go down so we were down 200 times over two months and lost hundreds of thousands of dollars then they also went into war with russia so we had to figure (laughs) that out on ourselves um but what we did for our customers was worked with move and pick and bought uh vouchers for ice cream (laughs) all over australia and customers could just go in and grab one for free uh just because we were sorry that we screwed up so it was really uh, just taking customer service to the next level. Like, why should people shop with us if we don't care about them? Ice cream really does solve all problems, I find. It does. So, it yeah, does. they need that in, in Russia and the Ukraine. <laughs> it might solve some problems there too. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I won't get into that one. <laughs> no, let's not go polit- political. Um, so, you know, let's say everything goes great. You go global. Is there a point in time in the future you see yourself exiting, either selling the company or just letting someone else take over as the, the boss of it? Or, you know, what's the plan for you personally? Or have you not decided that yet? I've definitely thought about that and I think everyone says that you have to start with the exit in mind so um, I know what I'd like to walk away with but at the same time I'm not planning on walking away anytime soon and the only time that I would is if I felt that I was holding the company back so if I can't continue to grow the company and it needs someone more experienced and better than myself then I have to provide that as you know as the caretaker for this business it'd be irresponsible if I ignored the signs and thought that I was the best person to run it when I wasn't. Mm. So. Good answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just maybe in the last sort of five, ten minutes here, um, Sarah, can we just talk about the current situation for a new person who might be interested in following your footsteps, starting some kind of online retail store? Uh, how would you do things differently and what would you recommend to them to get going? I definitely use a platform that is off the shelf. So using something like Shopify that has all your hosting included in it. I mean, it's not going to work at our level because it just doesn't have the customer service um, that we needed. And so, well, they're great at their customer service. But for example, their platform doesn't have store credits and things like that that are pretty much essential when you run a business that's uh, small to medium size. So uh, I'd start with a platform like Shopify, I would 
do everything in-house that you possibly could because agencies, you know, some people might hate me for saying this, but I feel like agencies don't have your best interest at heart. They do when you're signing the contract, but then they quickly become focused on their business interests. And of course they are. They have to keep their business in business. So when you say an agency, do you mean for supplying of stock or for, for, I mean, for design and uh, for development. Yeah. That sort of thing. So, uh, it's, I think it's really important to get your own graphic designers and to make things beautiful as fast as you can. So obviously you'll have limited cash, so spend it how you've got to spend it. But I think it's really important to make things as beautiful as possible, as fast as possible. Um, I think if you get the product mix right and know the supply demand curve, that's one thing I learned whilst running beginning and that curve really does make a difference as to how you think about product. And realizing that it's this isn't an enchanted journey that I'm on on a magic, you know, unicorn. It's customers <laughs> want certain things at certain prices, and it's not. It doesn't matter what I do or say about it. If it's not that certain price at that certain quantity, it's useless. So just understanding the economics, a little bit of economics, not a massive amount, but at least a little bit, and have more money than you think you'll need because it will take longer than you plan it will. Mm-hmm. What about marketing? What would you suggest today? Oh, just be all over social and start your social media accounts before you even start your business. Like test out if your product that you're thinking of selling is even popular on social media and learn how to use those and build an audience before you have to have the money. So, you know, some people say they'll build their social media after they've launched, but I just think that that if I had had the option to start a business with the social media networks already built, it just, that would have been amazing. So it's really, um, I mean, it's it's not as hard as it used to be because there are already those channels built up with an audience and people are used to seeing businesses on social media now. So mm-hmm. just doing it smart and um, making good partnerships with uh, people that are relevant to your customer as well. Okay, so that pretty much answers the marketing question. It's social and have a lot of cash saved up to get going as a buffer. Yeah, get, yeah. Get the right mix, know your economics, know how much things should cost that people will buy it at. And that, yeah. I'm assuming, takes some real knowledge of the, the product. And yeah. um, get yourself a platform like Shopify to start with because that's obviously a bit more in-a-box solution so it's easy exactly. to get going. Yeah. Good answers. I think that pretty much would solve most industries problems too if you're doing any kind of (laughs) e-commerce you want to sell physical products online that's that's a good starting point yeah all right sarah um that's pretty much i think a good uh, wrap up of everything you've done now you said you won the uh, social media award in australia how did how did that happen oh it's really random we just got this email from a company that ranks uh social medias social media brands i should say in different countries and they just emailed to say, hey guys, we rated you as the number one social media brand in Australia. This, this, and this is why, this is who you beat. Do you want to be interviewed by us? And it was just, it, that's been really cool in terms of, you know, it's great for publicity, but it's also really nice to be recognized for the serious amount of hard work that we put into social media. So, mm, Cause you're you not, know. you're not celebrities here and you've got a million followers combined across your platforms. How do you do that? How do you get to a million followers? <laughs> it's it's really just posting beautiful content and and talking to your customer uh, and talking back with them and having conversations with them. 
that builds anything. So, you know, if you just talk at them, that's not going to work. You have to be able to look through your pitches and go, oh, yeah, cool, uh, they're talking about this. I know a little bit about that, so let's chat about it. All right. I'm going to start talking to my people more often. I want to get to a million followers as well. Oh, yeah. You should end doing competitions and stuff like that. So give stuff away. Yeah. I don't have pretty dresses to sell though. So it's, you know, <laughs> not quite as photogenic my product as yours is. So. Okay. Sarah, thank you for, for breaking down all the details and going into history. That That's was right. really informative. And, and thank you for being so specific with each of the uh, steps in your journey there. I think that would be very helpful for anyone who's entrepreneurial, who wants to do an online business, in particular, who wants to do a retail business. So, yeah, thank you, yeah. and congrats on the success. Go Brisbane, I have thank to you. say. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, anything else we should mention before I wrap it up? Um, well, I'd love for everybody to come and have a look at our site. So <laughs> Of course. <laughs> that would be awesome. But, yeah, no, that's, um, that's it. And I think, you know, if you really do want to – pursue your dream or if you're midway pursuing your dream just remember to never give up because as cliche as that sounds it really just does take bold face determination to be successful like you just can't ever give up so stick in there awesome so that's beginningboutique.com.au the instagram is uh, also slash beginning boutique and your facebook is also forward slash beginning boutique and those are the two biggest channels that Sarah has both have half a million followers almost as we're talking. So that's a good way to check out everything you're doing. And I would definitely check out your site, check out your social media because you can see exactly how Sarah and her team are doing everything she talked about during this interview. <laughs> awesome. Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you. And to everyone listening in, thank you for joining us on the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. You can find the show notes and the transcript for this episode at my blog at the usual place, entrepreneurs-journey.com. You can also Google my name, Yaro, Y-A-R-O, to find this podcast, my blog, and all the other episodes of this podcast are there too. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, everyone, for listening in, and I'll talk to you guys very soon. Well, there you have it. That was a fantastic interview with Sarah, where I felt she was very generous breaking down all the behind-the-scenes steps that she has undertaken over the years to grow her fashion retail online business. I took a lot out of that, and I'm sure you did too. I'd like to remind you to go to interviewsclub.com, enter your email address, and click Submit to sign up for the EJ Podcast email newsletter, which is where you'll get the latest interviews like this one from Sarah straight to your email inbox as soon as they are released, and also a series of hand-picked best interviews from my podcast archives. That's available at interviewsclub.com, which will direct you to the sign-up page on my blog. Well, that's it for this edition of the EJ Podcast. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and also leave a review. And also, of course, you can find all the show notes, the transcript, and all my other podcast interviews available at my blog at entrepreneurs-journey.com. Or you can Google my name, which is Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, and you'll find all the links for iTunes, all the episodes, all the show notes, all the transcripts, as well, of course, my blog, my coaching products, and everything to do with my world. Thanks for being a listener of the EJ Podcast. My name is Yarrow, and I'll talk to you on the next episode.